0: Welcome to Evolutions of Astrology. This is Dina DiCastro. On this episode, I'll be talking with Lisa Raffallo about Neptune transits and cards from the tarot that relate to Neptune. So this is the second uh, similar episode that Lisa and I have done in this series, and we did a previous episode on Pluto transits um, just a uh, few weeks back. And I really think that this is an interesting uh, topic for a series, and we're ultimately going to go through each of the planets and look at how different tarot cards can bring imagery to the themes that are represented by the planet. Uh, by transit, or just within the natal chart. So in this discussion, we'll primarily be focusing on Neptune and its action through transits uh, and how that can be represented through different cards in the tarot. And then Lisa has created a special spread for um, looking at Neptune themes in one's life. So enjoy the episode.
1: So one of the things that I was thinking about Neptune is some of the things that, like when Neptune goes wrong, mm-hmm. it seems like both you and I feel pretty much the same about New Age. Mm-hmm. We're somehow involved in it, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't want to. I don't know how to say this without sounding like a jerk. But go ahead, sound the- <laughs> like a jerk. <laughs> Be bold. Let your Aries shine. There are a lot of things about the new age that I can't stand. Mm -hmm. And some of it is this lack of discernment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess there are two major issues. This lack of discernment and then lack of groundedness. Like this kind of debasement of the physical world. Yes. And both of those seem to be like... um, Potentially like Neptune issues, like Neptune gone wrong in some way. I would
0: absolutely agree with you both on the two things that you have a problem with in the New (laughs) Age movement and with the fact that Neptune and Neptune gone awry or shadow side of Neptune can look like both of those issues. Um, For example, what comes to mind, as you say, the debasement of the physical are the ascension movements, you know, Mm -hmm. which is very much akin to the rapture really Mm -hmm. Uh, the idea that we should all be trying to ascend into our light body and, and leave this body and, you know, not bagging on that, but just let's work on, you know, what we have to deal with here and now, you know, for my, that's my viewpoint. It's like we're in this body for a reason. Let's figure out why that is and figure out the issues that we have to deal with in being in this body before we start leaping ahead to when can I ascend Mm -hmm. and Neptune, Shadow side of Neptune can be getting caught up in that um, that idea of getting out of the body in a negative way you know losing touch with what the body is and and the what can be gained from being in the body um, but you know we we could go back and and look at what are the positive um, and shadow sides of a Neptune transit or just Neptune in general.
1: So, I mean, I'm curious about this and I'm hoping you'll talk about it is, is there something going on in like the greater transit for the world that brings more Neptune or brings up Neptune issues like that? Because the new Mm -hmm. age hasn't been around since the dawn of time.
0: Right. Um, One thing that happened in uh, the early nineties, and I think it was really the onset of the new age movement was Neptune and Uranus um, connected with each other. They came into a conjunction. So it's the famous Uranus-Neptune conjunction of the early 90s. Um, That kind of kicked off, I think, a cycle and the whole New Age movement because Uranus has to do with a revolution uh, and things changing, things being shaken up. And it's almost like it came by, it moves faster than Neptune, and it came by and it kind of woke up Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think those two planets coming together did kick off a movement, which is, we now see as the New Age movement. And so that's one thing that I see. Um, but that movement is, is coming under some scrutiny, some pressure now. So also Neptune is in Aquarius, which is the sign ruled by Uranus. And now Uranus is in Pisces, which is the sign ruled by Neptune. And so there's they're in what's called mutual reception. Hmm. It's when one planet is in the sign that the other one rules and vice versa. So Uranus and Neptune are still kind of working together through this whole time. And that goes on from, it started in about 2003 and goes up until Uranus moves into Aries in, I think, 2010. So we're in that window now of... A time where Uranus and Neptune are kind of charging each other up. And so yeah, I do think that these new age ideas are really at the forefront right now.
1: I'm feeling excited for 2010 right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I bet I can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. As soon as Uranus moves into Aries, it's,
0: you know, it's the beginning of a new Uranus cycle, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a big shift in in, um, global consciousness and global events. Neptune is probably when I do a reading for someone having a Neptune transit for me, it is the hardest one to describe what the effects can be, because it is by nature nebulous, it is about what's foggy and mystical and intangible. And it can create that kind of fog in a person's life. And that fog can take you to a place of spiritual ecstasy, it can take you to a place of ego transcendence, or it can take you to a place of delusion and uh, a place of escapism. And so it can really go either way, depending on the transit and the person involved Mm -hmm. and what's going on in their natal chart.
1: So the, the other thing that I've been thinking about and wondering to yeah. ask you is that Uranus and Pluto, I totally get. I'm totally comfortable. That's kind of my experience of the world. Mm-hmm. Not very, not necessarily very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And Neptune, I don't relate to as well. And it looks, on paper, it looks much more beautiful, much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if you see that in people's, like, if it's a person-by-person thing, what they they find more comfortable I'm comfortable isn't even the right word what they experience more easily Mm -hmm. yeah I think it
0: depends on the person and their kind of their makeup and how Mm -hmm. they respond to Neptune as well um Neptune for me is is more comfortable I think if you have some Pisces or some 12th house stuff going on in Mm -hmm. your natal chart you can relate to it more because Neptune rules Pisces and the 12th um and so Neptune as this very romantic, soft energy, this um, this kind of living in a fantasy world, you know, escapist kind of energy. Um, those are things, you know, as a child growing up, I, I've got my moon in the 12th in my natal chart. As a child growing up, I was always reading fantasy novels. I was into all the, you know, 19th century romantic poetry. That's all very Neptunian. Mm-hmm. In fact, Neptune was discovered... Um, in the middle of the 19th century uh, during the romantic movement, mm. you know, of mm-hmm. music and poetry and art um, and so I connect it with that and my sensibilities very much mm-hmm. align with that. And it also rules uh, dreams and our connection with the subconscious so the dream life is something that speaks to me pretty readily too and I think the people are really that are really connected to Dreams and sleep and that kind of state that's between being awake and sleeping um, can relate more to Neptune energy. Hmm. That's that's what it is to me. It is harder to define, though, than the stronger words that come forward with Uranus and Pluto.
1: So like last time, I, I, I did my research and came up with some, and I just limited myself to some keywords. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even sure what order to put them in because I didn't feel really strongly about it. And so I alphabetized it. Oh, how very organized to be <laughs> It is. And then when I found cards, that and then I just went, Keyword by keyword. Mm-hmm. And if I found cards that were exactly the same for the same keyword, I grouped them together. Mm-hmm. So I'm just telling you how I came up with what, was, what I'm going to talk about. Okay, And so it, alphabetically, I would start with addiction. Mm-hmm. But I thought that maybe I would start somewhere a little bit further back. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it seems like har- harsh news to start out. Yeah. And so um, in Roman mythology, Neptune was the god of the sea. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like the moon would be, if I could pick one card, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it would be the moon. And I thought, and I was thinking about that kind of at length today. And it's like, you know, the moon should be the moon, right? Right. But it's not entirely, you know, in the golden dawn attributions, the high priestess is the moon Mm -hmm. and the moon is Pisces. Right. Pisces
0: is ruled. By Neptune. By
1: Neptune. And so that's a pretty good fit. And the more that I thought about kind of, Moon issues versus neptune issues i really i'm I'm pretty sold on the moon and Neptune,
0: yeah, that makes sense to me too, because of the Pisces rulership because it's got the imagery of the ocean in there and the water creatures um, and there's a feeling about that card too, which is very Neptunian to me, mm-hmm. which is it's unclear what's going on in that right in that card, and I think. And you can tell me this. Isn't there something uh, to do with deception in Yeah, that card? absolutely,
1: and traditional, like, interpretations. And so I could go through my list of all of the kind of words that I picked for Neptune. Yeah. And I could have put the moon with all of them. So I really liked the moon as the poster child. Yeah, that's really strong. Yeah. And then the other cards that I would say across the board is I liked pretty much all of the court cards, the, the watery court cards. Mm-hmm. Just Some more than others, other, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, what springs to mind is the page with the fish, because mm-hmm. Pisces is is the fish, right. the two fish, yeah.
1: And I I, brought, I set this out just to show you, because I thought you might find it interesting. So this is, we're looking at a picture mm-hmm. of a woman. (laughs) And so this would be, is an alchemical text from the museum Hermeticum from 1678. And she's just the, the white queen who's holding a moon. And then she has this kind of the same crayfish. Mm -hmm. Let's, should we go through my, my words and you can say whether you think they apply. I think that's perfect. So the alphabetically, the first one is addiction. Mm -hmm. And I was able to come up with a lot of cards. I thought represented addiction in some ways. And some of them might be a little surprising, but I picked all the cards that I could remember. That so addiction is something that actually comes up in in live readings with people. It's not mm-hmm. an abstract thing. It's no. a thing that I've and I actually saw more of it when I was reading at that day spa that we've both read at. Yeah, for whatever reason, it is that there are a lot of addictive people that you know that came through. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're coming
0: there for healing or yeah, yeah for whatever
1: reason mm-hmm. and so the moon of course and and we, you you mentioned that yeah a, a little bit and so typically so a lot of these i would say if they came up reversed or ill-dignified however you put a more negative spin mm-hmm. on the card so the moon the devil mm-hmm. and i thought it was funny because i i kept feeling like the devil was very pluto too but he's he's standing in for some maybe he stands in for all the shadow but issues. like the shadow of each yeah.
0: one. Right. I could definitely see that with uh, addiction, uh, mm-hmm. being chained to something, um, going really into the base and the primal stuff, you right. know, with addiction. Yeah.
1: Then the Eight of Swords, and that's just her her feeling trapped. Mm-hmm. And the that. Three of Cups, and that would be reversed, of course, because, it, and I've seen people who, like the, this one, person that I can picture very clearly. She had she was kind of a rich housewife who had just come back from a weekend with the girls at the beach where they had really overindulged in everything.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: So that would be I guess more of over adult, indulgence than addiction, but the same kind of thing. The Seven of Cups. Uh-huh. And then the King of Cups when he comes up reversed.
0: Mm-hmm. And just a note on the seven of cups, I believe I'm not a numerology expert, but I believe the number seven is associated with Neptune Hmm. because each planet has its own number as well. Um, And that very much uh, that card reminds me of Neptune, Um, you know, the kind of the the confusion, the overwhelm, you know, of the man looking at the seven things he has to choose from. Um, but he's also getting guidance in a way. Right. He's being shown something.
1: And it's one that I, that came up for me in more than one category for Neptune, too. So mm-hmm. I do, you know, the, the illusion, you know, we can talk about it when we get further down. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. the, um, the woman overindulging, um, you know, if that three of cups were reversed makes a lot of sense, too. Um, and I, I think of the affinity with Dionysus. Oh, okay. um, that Neptune also has the God of wine and <laughs> good times uh, <laughs> that would be
1: the devil back in that would be another to yeah. have the devil in
0: yeah, it's very very bacchanalian,
1: so c- consciousness was one that I liked for Neptune. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd want to qualify that by saying higher consciousness or just the the idea of i've I've read both the
0: unconscious and the higher conscious as being associated with Neptune. Um, I think of, okay.
1: Non-normal consciousness. (laughs) Right. Non-normal.
0: Exactly. Non-normal consciousness. Like um, I was uh, in school, I read um, Jung's confrontations with the unconscious. To me, that whole period of Jung's life where he was seeing entities and pretty much falling apart mentally but still seeing clients um, <laughs> which is fascinating. Um that whole period of his life that he writes about is totally neptunian. I mean he he allows in the other side. And and he writes of it as confronting his own unconscious. He faces it. He faces his the insanity that most of us keep at bay all of the time. He mm-hmm. just kind of let it in. And so I think that Neptune does have an affinity with that
1: and so it was hard to go through the deck and come up with cards that just specifically represented that, mm-hmm. but I liked the hanged man and then who's also water yeah, and for that kind of suspension of ordinary reality right and then the transcendence of the world
0: I like that i like I like the hanged man particularly because um, one of the words associated with Neptune that I've seen is surrender. And, and I talk about that a lot with a Neptune transit with somebody, the idea of surrendering and releasing your control or your ego control over things. Um, and that's the energy of the hangman and the way you're helpless. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you, when that card comes up in a reading, what, how do you interpret that card? It depends. I mean, it depends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, is that? I guess what I more precisely mean to say is, is the idea of surrender something that can come from that? Yes, part? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then the the world. Um, so by the transcendence of the world, meaning it goes beyond, right, this confined physical reality.
1: Yeah, and this uh, some kind of attainment mm-hmm. too. So I have three piled together in the next category, deception, illusion, and the intangible. And the cards that I picked for that were the devil again and the seven of cups. Mm -hmm. And the esoteric title, I don't think I said before, is illusionary success. Mm -hmm. And so. I love the
0: the note that you made at the beginning of of this document we're looking at that said, (laughs) Neptune's discovery coincides with the advent of motion pictures, which is a, a wonderful point to make in light of what we're talking about here because the motion picture industry is built on deception illusion and it is intangible, you know, and it blows, it blows people up bigger than life and makes them very glamorous. And then we get caught up in that illusion Mm -hmm. and that illusion drives so much of this culture.
1: Yeah. And the,
0: and it's very dysfunctional. (laughs) It's not healthy. Um, and yet, there is such a thing as healthy storytelling and and myth making and engaging with stories and myth that can be beneficial. But what I see in these two cards that ties into those words—deception, illusion, and intangible—is you know he's the devil is probably you know a big force behind the movie industry. <laughs> Kidding, <laughs> um, but I mean it's it's about really you know gratif self gratification and. Um, really base stuff. It's not about anything transcendent, really. Although it can look like that.
1: And I won't mention her, call her out by name, but there's one of the Hollywood's It Girls. Mm-hmm. I read paid pays $3,000 to have a makeup artist follow her around and touch her up during the night. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a little self-obsessed, but that's like
1: that's to an extreme that she could be caught on camera at any moment. Mm -hmm. And if a bad shot is her career, that that, that just kind of blows me away.
0: But think about it, too. By the same token, if most people see a bad picture of somebody, we're very quick to point it out. And I think it's an a reaction to that. We sense that there is an illusion going on there that we're being sold and we don't like it ultimately uh-huh. right and so if you see a bad picture of somebody that's on the front of some magazine it's, oh, look she doesn't really look that good all the time right. you know so she doesn't want to get caught this mm-hmm. one <laughs> that you're <Yeah>. talking about <laughs> yeah that's really interesting it also just seems really screwed up the... it's really screwed up it's well the yeah the whole thing is really screwed up
1: so the next one derangement would you mm-hmm. consider that to be neptune I,
0: yeah, because in that card, well, oh, I'm jumping ahead to yeah. the card. So let's, let's, just derangement
1: there. on its own. I kind of like the word so in derangement. Word it. uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, it's one of those old fashioned words you just don't hear very often yeah. anymore. She's deranged. Um, I would say yes, because madness. You know, that's another word you don't hear very much anymore. Insanity, those are things that can be associated with Neptune. Because if you go too far into an illusion and then believing it, it leads to that.
1: Mm -hmm. And so I picked, of course, the moon and lunacy, Mm -hmm. that aspect. Yeah. Next up in the D category is dreams. (laughs) And you mentioned this going into it, that um, Neptune and dreams Mm -hmm. were really big. Yeah. And I picked the high priestess. Mm-hmm. The moon. because And in part, not just because, you know, I think she's dreamy, but when that comes up in a reading with people, I often tell them to pay attention to their dreams. Yeah. And then the moon itself. And then I picked, and this, this would be on the scale of nightmares, the nine of swords.
0: hmm When uh, somebody's having a Neptune transit mm-hmm. and they come to me, I tell them to pay attention to their dreams. hmm So it's very apropos. Yeah. There's a connection with the the high priestess card there and the others.
1: So enlightenment and spirituality. Neptune? Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And so I picked, I don't know why it came up in this order, the world and then the high priestess. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think the world card is, I have trouble understanding it. So Mm -hmm. I guess, can you tell me a little more about how that card represents transcendence and enlightenment for you, from your perspective?
1: From my perspective. Well, look. I mean, in some ways, look at the progression of the trumps, what you have leading up to it. Mm -hmm. You have um, judgment, which is kind of death, and then the world is rebirth. So the result Mm -hmm. of kind of that kind of trans. that's where I think it's transcendent. Mm -hmm. It's she, it's almost like how a 10 is a new beginning after a nine. Yeah. That this is, you know, the start. And in some ways it's the turning around point. So we you know, we talked about you, you go from actually you go from one to 10 down Mm -hmm. the tree of life. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's you actually have to embody before you can ascend, right? And so it's that point of, okay, you have you've completely embodied, and now you can return back, right, to whatever the source is.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's rebirth and a spiritual rebirth, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense then to me. It's almost like she's in a kind of a womb.
1: Yes, and I would say that's true about that that circle. And other people that have shown up in that kind of circle with the evangelists in the corner are Christ, and then also Mercury.
0: You mean so being inside the circle? Being
1: inside, being inside the circle with those four beasts around the corner. Mm-hmm. So just in kind of historical imagery.
0: And those four beasts, as you know, are astrological. I'm, I'm assuming everybody knows that. That's right. I think, yeah, and maybe we shouldn't make that assumption that those four beasts represent um, the four fixed signs of the Zodiac. We may have talked about that before on the podcast, but for those of you who are just tuning in.
1: (laughs) Go back and listen to old episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So my next category was entertainment, acting, and fashion. We kind of brought that in with deception because Mm -hmm. illusion and the intangible because all of entertainment, acting, and fashion – rely on those qualities.
0: Mm-hmm. That reminds me of um, the old uh, witchcraft trick of putting on the glamour is what they used to call right, it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think of glamour in that very Neptunian way of it's an illusion. It's something you're making somebody believe that you look good, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> when there's something underneath that maybe is not the same.
1: And some people do have the ability and it's there's a charisma to it that it has nothing to do with their just regular appearance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like an aura that mm-hmm. they're putting out.
1: So the cards I picked for that, and there, I'm sure there are other ones, but um the magician and the devil. Mm-hmm. Again. Yep. I, I couldn't pick. I couldn't leave the magician behind for as an entertainer. Right. Um, I have a longer list than I thought I did. <laughs> so for fantasies, I have the Seven of Cups and the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, guilt, the five of cups, even though, you know, that could be other things. I really right. kind of like that for kind of wallowing in mm-hmm. the darkness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a wallowing aspect to a Neptune transit or experience that, um, or kind of a victim feeling. And I don't, maybe you got to victim. We haven't got to V yet, but. Uh, no, I
1: didn't actually include victim, but okay. Okay. So that put it, to me goes with victim. guilt. I'll add that to this.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um. And that person in the five of cups, uh, looks kind of victimized, Mm -hmm. you know, they've just had a loss or, and then they're kind of in self-pity. Self-pity would be another word I guess you could put there.
1: And I would put the seven, the nine, the nine of swords there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, the,
0: the feeling of, um, being victimized or wallowing. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And I didn't mean it to be in the intuition category. I don't know why it's there. It's a typo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can switch. So that. the next one is intuition. And that was really hard too, because it just seems like an overlying theme mm-hmm. with tarot that, you know, that intuition is an issue, mm-hmm. but the cards I picked were the high priestess, the moon and the queen of cups.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I like the addition of the queen of
0: cups there. Um, and the wateriness of her and the, um, She's, it's like she's looking into a crystal ball almost with that vessel. Right, yeah. Um, it's funny, I never saw it that way before until you put it in this category. But really, she's like gazing into something looking for an answer.
1: Right, and when she comes up in a reading, I usually talk about intuition. Mm. Okay. Too, so it's useful, mm-hmm. practically. So for meditation, I have the star and the four of cups. Mm-hmm. So would you put meditation and Neptune together? I guess we should start back Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, Meditation is being uh, an altered state. Mm -hmm. Um, Neptune rules altered states in general. Uh, Altered state can be sleep, meditation, um, being in that liminal space between Mm -hmm. awake and asleep. Yes.
1: And then psychic sensitivity, the high priestess and the page of cups. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, psychic sensitivity. In fact, um, when I have someone with a lot of Neptune aspects in their chart or a prominent Neptune, um, I will often talk about their openness, their psychic openness and sensitivity and give them a kind of a warning about that too, that you can be so open that you're like a psychic sponge and you take in a lot of other people's stuff or a lot of emotions. Um, and that often someone with a lot of Neptune, 12th house, or Pisces will need to learn how to keep better boundaries with that and not to just take stuff on psychically uh, because you could pick up a lot inadvertently. So, but as for the cards, yes, I see the High Priestess there, very connected to that. And uh, Page of Cups is interesting too. Um, the Fish.
1: He has an imaginary friend. That's <laughs> yeah. <good.
0: laughs> He's talking to the fish. Yeah. So all of those, there wasn't any of the cards that you picked that I felt didn't resonate with Neptune.
1: So is there anything else that I might've missed as far as like key concepts that you might want to keep in mind for Neptune? I guess one I
0: would say would be confusion. Uh, We might have kind of covered that. Um, But confusion or fogginess as being a side effect of a Neptune transit, uh, on the less, you know, serious side spaciness, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just being plain old spacey. Um, you know, when someone says, uh, oh, you know, I, I totally flaked on that. I was out of my body, you know, mm-hmm. that's a very Piscean Neptunian kind of, of thing. Um, not being grounded. Like we were talking about in the beginning with, with the new age movement as being mm-hmm. Uh, kind of dark side of Neptune stuff, you know, it's that kind of, uh, in la la land, not really connected to my body and very spacey foggy. It just another note on that too, lack of discernment. And you had talked about that at the beginning with the, the new age stuff. And what's interesting is that Neptune rules Pisces, which is the opposite sign of Virgo. And Virgo is all about discernment.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so that's how those those two opposites uh, balance each other. Usually one side of the opposition has something the other one needs. Whereas Virgo has a lot of discernment and analytical power. It doesn't always have the ability to step back and look at the grand vision and get swept away in something. Mm-hmm. That's what Neptune Pisces is, mm-hmm. is gifted at. So um, – the lack of discernment is really kind of a prominence of of Neptune Pisces.
1: I have a friend who had maybe triple Virgo, mm-hmm. just a lot of Virgo, so helpful in editing, like helping. Oh yeah, but she gets so bogged down in it that she can't create anything on her own.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. I could really imagine how that's the case. Is that sh- you can with a lot of Virgo energy you can be blocked about letting just the intuition come and letting that flow and rolling with it, you know, just rolling with the flow, (laughs) letting things come in, not judging it too much because there can be a lot of judgment that, Mm -hmm. that comes with a high Virgo energy that won't, that will paralyze you rather than let the, the creativity flow through you. So that's it for my list. Yeah. I, I think that was really helpful. And I think how, you know, you would use this, Um, or ways to beneficially use this in a reading. Um, If someone was going through a Neptune transit, I guess, you know, we could talk about Neptune kind of issues. And I really like the way you put it last time where you said, even if they didn't know they were going through a Pluto transit, what are Pluto kind of issues that show up in somebody's life? Mm -hmm. For example, if they came to you for a reading and we're describing these certain kinds of issues, Um, They don't have to know they're going through a Neptune transit or maybe they're not. But um, so the idea of someone that comes to you and says, I'm really confused and I just feel powerless to do anything in this situation. That's a Neptunian kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And you probably had people that come to you often in that place. Um, And for me, you know, I, I might see that show up as they're coming to me and Neptune is squaring their sun, or something. And they're having those same kind of feelings coming up of depletion of powerlessness of I'm a victim here and I can't do anything of mm. confusion. Don't know. can't see a way out of the fog. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all Neptune transit kind of byproducts. What I would do is, you know, I would steer them in the direction of embracing the, the positive aspects of Neptune. Well, Maybe it is a time to surrender rather than try to act. Or maybe it's a time of um, letting go of your need to c- totally control everything and to let things unfold and see what happens and to trust in something higher. Or, you know, maybe it's a time of um, going within and meditating and getting the answer that way rather than looking for externals to give you the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would imagine that often comes up in the cards as well. Yeah.
1: I know that my response to like a problem I have is what do I need to do to fix it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the answer is you have to accept it Mm -hmm. or you have to just wait or, you know, right. You know, there's nothing you, there's nothing you can do.
0: Right. And that's difficult as a reader because Mm -hmm. as readers, it would be nice if, um, there were an answer uh, or a way to fix everything for everyone that comes mm-hmm. to us, yeah. but there isn't. And sometimes the the best answer is to wait, to mm-hmm. um, trust, to accept, to surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes those are the answers that that are forthcoming.
1: Probably the thing that probably comes up in as a reading issue more is, and I, I'm assuming I'm going with it. This is kind of an inept is kind of a Neptune issue is people coming to a place wanting more spirituality, Mm -hmm. wanting to know what they should be doing with their life. Like what's, what's the higher, what's really the meaning of life and what should I be doing? You know, what is my, I don't know what my spiritual path is, you know, what should I be doing to,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's about this, the spiritual aspect of Neptune. That's why it's connected with that word. And I, I often, you know, have people come that want that, kind of information. And that's also the kind of effect that a Neptune transit can have is feeling a call or feeling a pull to something beyond
1: and not knowing what it is. Yes. You know which is
0: hard. It is and you can't quite define it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's about releasing into that journey and going into your own unconscious and listening to your dreams and looking at the signals and waiting and seeing what's unfolding in your life rather than trying to act really quickly or make a decision or um, define yourself in some way. Mm. I think that's the tension often people feel. It's like oh, I need to be uh, this or that career choice or I need to you know, play this or that role in my life. And sometimes there are, are these liminal places in our life where we're in between, and yet we know we're supposed to be moving towards something else that that's not present in our current life. And we don't know what it is yet.
1: That idea of like, what is my higher purpose Mm -hmm. is what I designed a spread for. So really a big deal. And I don't, I thought maybe we could both do it and see how, how that turns out. Cause and I feel a little bit on the spot, like how, you know, could you even design a spread to do it? And could you read for that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I'll describe what I came up with. And (laughs) I took the symbol of Neptune and the first card is just, who am I? Mm-hmm. Cause I thought that that was kind of a good, you know, like at my core, you know, the ego. Wh- who am I? Yeah. yeah. And then it's crossed by either illusion or delusion, just so that kind of what I'm confused about, you know, what I don't know, you know, what I can't see. Yeah. Is the crossing card, and then the three cards for the, so that's that's the, the cross right, and then for what, what, what do you call the t- the trident the top part of that mm-hmm.
0: the Neptune shape yeah, yeah. the the the, for, the pitchfork
1: so I picked alchemical symbols just because I've been so like up to my eyeballs in alchemy uh-huh. <laughs> lately and I I had them initially in a different order but the the, the order that I want to do is first salt. For the first prong, and that's what's contractive, mm-hmm. and then in the middle, mercury is is changing, and then sulfur is expanding because I felt like those kind of corresponded to past, present, and future, mm-hmm. as well as the alchemical,
0: yeah, um, substances. So contracting, changing, and expanding. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I don't know how it'll turn out. It might be that we we just read those three cards as if they were one card or look at the positional meanings or not mm-hmm. but that that top part is supposed to be some commentary for us on what actually maybe a snapshot of our higher purpose or something yeah. that we can kind of focus on
0: i love it let's give it a whirl okay so
1: <laughs> so i am the eight of vessels which in the alchemical tarot is this potter and pottery and alchemy had similar roots mm-hmm. actually or they're, they're, they have a lot in common. And particularly, I think, the glazing process it seems very alchemical. And so he, and this one, it's it's a lot like maybe the, is it the Eight of Pentacles? Mm-hmm. In the, the right yes. of weight where the, the craftsman is making, making, making. And so yep. I am making containers for the subconscious, <laughs> really. Which is, you know, I feel like I'm making a lot of things that are tarot related right mm-hmm. now. So it's just making, making different shapes, getting better at it, that whole thing. That feels, yeah. that does feel like who I am right now.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me for you. Um, and you're working real hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's funny. So we both got vessels. Um, and so I am the Knight of Vessels. Uh, and the Knight of Vessels looks like he is delving into the unconscious to find things out. It's kind of searching. Mm -hmm. And that does feel like where I am right now and who I am right now. It's I'm, I'm going into myself more and trying to understand my own unconscious more and learning about the unconscious in general and how Mm -hmm. it works. So, and what does the fish mean?
1: Well, it's just like, well, the, the fish is kind of a major mythological creature, you know, talking yeah. to a magic fish. We kind of mentioned that with the with the page mm-hmm. in the Rider White deck. Yeah. And there, there's a whole like Celtic mythology
0: for that. With the fish.
1: And so it seems very shamanistic. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like talking to I don't know if you want to say your higher self is a fish in the water. Mm-hmm. There's also very a very spiritualized um creature too, if you if you right. pick up any book on symbolism which we could do if you wanted to. It's kind of interesting. Should we? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. Okay, and so I have Sirlo's Dictionary of Symbols. And in broad terms, the fish is a psychic being or penetrative motion endowed with a heightening power concerning the base matters that is in the unconscious. It says it's related to Pisces, and it represents the life force surging up. Oh, the cosmic fish. This is one thing I was thinking of. Like the whale and the primordial monster, the cosmic fish symbolizes the whole of the formal physical universe. And the cosmic fish is actually related to the mermaid, mm-hmm. particularly like the, the, the way you see it with the split tail. The, the, the second form of the cosmic fish is the, has, has two branches of the tail, mm-hmm. which looks like the, the star card in the alchemical trail. Is that enough information on, on a fish? I think so, yeah. And so if I, if I were to, <laughs> to summarize, <laughs> rather than read it, um, a, a fish is a psychic being, and it represents heightening of powers of the unconscious, and as a cosmic fish, it symbolizes the whole of the formal physical universe, and is related to, in particular, a mermaid with a branching of the tail of a siren.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: That'll give me something to think about. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we'll shuffle again and pick a card for what is an illusion or a delusion that we are experiencing. So I have the nine of staffs, which is the gray wolf being burned in a pyre. And so probably one of the most distressing, if there are distressing cards in the alchemical tarot, alchemically what happens is the old king gets devoured by the wolf who then gets burned up and then becomes the phoenix. So it's that kind of stage of challenge and strife and difficulty before transformation. hmm so that's my illusion. So my illusion, illusion is that I have to suffer. I think. That makes sense. Um
0: and that that place before transformation, you can get caught up in the idea that this it will always be this way. That oh, I like there, that that yeah. the transformation isn't forthcoming, but it actually is. I and like that. Yeah. It will end. This too shall pass. <laughs>
1: I'm not looking forward to it, though, because when you you, when you've talked to me about my chart, Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like a big drag and a hassle. (laughs) Oh, I hope it never has come off that
0: way. I think. Oh, man. Yeah. Maybe I need to do another reading for you. (laughs) All right. Um, So
1: yours look very similar.
0: uh, You mean between the first and the second card? Yeah. I have another knight. Uh, My illusion. Or delusion is the knight of coins. So the first one was the knight of vessels. Now I have the knight of coins, and so it's not a particularly neither is a particularly positive or negative card. Right. Um. It's very neutral. Um. Maybe you can help me with this one because I'm actually I have no idea.
1: So I would lean toward more towards the illusion because it doesn't look deluded to me. Right. And. You know, I, I, it looks very hopeful to me in the sense that who you are and who you're, the illusion of who you are are really pretty close together. They're actually, as far as suits go, they're, they're both the, the passive feminine suits. Right, right. And so it does, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing that looks, if we're looking at, for it as kind of a crossing card or a challenging card, that knight of coins in this deck looks very prickly like he's very armored against the world you know his little spikes on his shoulders there's a lot of prickly
0: things in the card there there's a lot of points
1: yeah and so it may be it may be just a message to you from your higher self that you don't need to be as defensive Mm -hmm. that you actually and maybe that's part of and I think this is what my discomfort and even though I have a fair amount of Pisces a handful of planets in my chart Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable for it because it's very soft and squishy Mm -hmm. you know it's It's I think of like my little cat who is so sweet and tender that has no defenses against Mm -hmm. the world. So I can't let her out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that kind of looks. And if that's if you were to say there's a contrast between those two cards, that's exactly what it is. The Knight of Vessels, which is me. Is uh, soft and watery, and
1: although armored, <laughs> although still armored, right. protective
0: crab shell. Yeah, uh, but still, it's a much softer, more flowing card. And then this one um, is harsher, sharper, um, more standoffish, more protected.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so okay. I'm tempted to shuffle and draw the next three all at once because okay. they seem like a set. Wow, so we have opposite land. My mm-hmm. first two were harder, and then my top row is just all peace and beauty. I noticed, <laughs> compared to mine, my goodness. <laughs> Yikes. So I have the two vessels, which shows a man and a woman in, I think it's called a pelican mm-hmm. vessel. And their union is creating the, the perfect five-petaled rows at the top. Then I have the Three of Vessels, which they're, I can actually, I don't know if you care. Yeah. (laughs) But the source image for that is the fourfold opus Mm. from the Philosophus Reformata. And so they're the first three people. Mm -hmm. And then this is the Lady of Vessels, Mm -hmm. who didn't show up. The Page of Cups. And so in general, it means a support group. And then the, the final card is the four of wands, which is kind of a, a they're being married in a sacred grove in a sacred space. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I'm such a recluse and an introvert. And what this is saying that some part of my higher purpose is love and community.
0: Yes, I see that pretty clearly. (laughs) You've got the male and the female represented in two of the three cards. Mm -hmm. Definitely the energy of love, attraction, romance, um, partnership. And that's in
1: contraction, like keeping with, Mm -hmm. and then expansion over here. And then the thing that's kind of mutable and changing is...
0: Support groups, connected, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all about connection and community. So I and need to embrace community and partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, think about your creative partnerships, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some, a lot of those right. going and on. And when
1: they're good, they're amazing. Yeah. I had some bad experiences in my 20s with creative partnerships that mm-hmm. were not good. And so I Didn't shied away all? from them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you
0: learn a lot. I mean, the 20s is the time when we're all learning a lot. Right. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I I totally see both the potential energy of creative partnership and um, a supportive creative community. Yeah, that's powerful.
1: Yeah, so hooray for that.
0: Hooray for that.
1: And then let's look at mine. (laughs) Look at yours. Okay, so tell me what your cards are.
0: Okay, so in the position of salt, which is what is kind of currently contracted uh, I have the five of staffs mm-hmm. and which is a hand on fire um, <laughs> that I have <laughs> in the second position which is the mercury position which is what is changing I have the devil and in the uh, last position which is sulfur sulfur an expansion an expansion I have the seven of swords which is the fox kind of running away with a sword.
1: Mm-hmm. Foxiness, actually, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the right or white deck, it's the the guy who's either planting or carrying away swords, mm-hmm. and so there's some of that same kind of. It's obviously, you know, he it was related in his mind mm-hmm. when he's creating it. So these look harder. <laughs> Gee, just a little bit. <laughs> well, let's say okay. So, you know what's and so the contractive is. You know, I was picturing that as kind of what needs to be decreasing or what needs to be solidified in some way. Mm -hmm. And all of his fingertips are on fire. And it's almost like burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm.
0: Is it okay? Could it be what comes to my mind is too much creative? It's like creative energy that's not being directed or needs to be solidified, like you said. Uh, I feel like I have... An abundance of ideas and creative stuff going on, but mm-hmm. it's not getting grounded. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be a message. Um, too many irons in the fire. Yeah. Is another yeah, phrase that, that... that
1: looks like a good description. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That.
0: Too many irons in the fire. And the next card has some fire.
1: <laughs> right. So we have the devil. And I really like. This devil. The devil is not the hermaphrodite mm-hmm. who is up a standing on the back of the devil. Right. And the devil is standing on and I love that alchemical vessel full of blackness. And so mm-hmm. this is really kind of the end of the Negretto stage of alchemy. Mm-hmm. So which is kind of good news. Decay, right. Yeah. And we're talking about Neptune here. So I would probably go back and think of all of the the ways that the devil came up. Right, and productive. came up a lot. Yeah. And, and so we have, I mean, the, the obvious is... We have addiction. Addiction, deception, illusion, intang- the intangible, entertainment, acting, fashion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I would say, you know, as a message to you from your higher self is that you should actually play around with that. Interesting, you know, because it's something that's it's in the changeable mm-hmm. position. So, in the alchemical function for mercury, is that changing between the states of being um, solidified and being volatile? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, evaluating things for their those qualities of deception and illusion. Yeah, and it can be used for for good or bad,
0: and also so perhaps also playing with illusions right. and trying on different illusions. Mm-hmm. Um
1: and different glamours, <laughs>
0: and different glamours. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, of course, my judgment went right to don't get caught up in that right. either, you know, and that could also be there. But
1: um Well, I like the idea of of looking at the difference between delusion and illusion yeah. too
0: yeah an illusion isn't something you've bought into. It's something you know is an illusion.
1: well, and that was something that I found really interesting about talking to chiro Marchetti mm-hmm. was he uses the illusion to trick your eye into thinking you're looking at a picture when you're looking at computer bits.
0: yeah, yeah, it has the feel of a real person right mhm,
1: and so it's looking at you know the way the shadow is on the room, so when your brain sees a similar coloring, you think, oh well that's a door frame.
0: And then and then the final card is the what's um, For what's expanding
1: is foxiness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I do like the fox. It's I do too. one of my favorite animals. I love foxes.
1: And so I think that kind of ties back into, you know, playing around with the illusion. Mm-hmm. So playing around with trickery. And, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that you should learn magic, you know, sleight of hand or...
0: Oh, I don't know. It would be a nice addition to my readings. Why not? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Pull a rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, or, or a coin. <laughs> but, and I don't know what that... I mean, do you have any ideas what that, that could mean? Like the element of surprise or the unexpected? You know, one thing that comes to mind is somebody else that I interviewed with Talasa who leaves tarot cards in random places for people to find. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you would do that with astrology with how that would make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure either, but I
0: mean, yeah, that, that will give me something to think about. I think, um, I think I'm very, this observation has been made to me before I am, I'm honest to a fault. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: so <laughs> you need to put your I mean? hearts closer to your chest.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keeping keeping a few more secrets might not be a bad thing. Mm. Maybe that's part of the message. Mm-hmm. And not always showing my total hand. Mm-hmm. Huh. My hand, you know, like the fire hand. Uh-huh. Um yeah. Uh, that that oh. has come that message has come to me before.
1: So I mean it would say that. In that light, the way I would look at all of those is that you have creative projects and you're tempted to like show them too soon, mm-hmm. and they're not ready to be seen. They need, you know, the curtain to be drawn on them.
0: Yeah, you're you're totally on, and this is this is just confirmation of something I've been um, very conscious of for the past couple months. So yeah, yeah. There's this. There's an idea. I used to, you know, really blab about everything I was doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I've learned over time that that leaks the energy out of what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's appropriate to learn to keep secrets about certain things that are important to you to be working on. Um, at least for me, this is something I'm discovering and maybe this is useful information for other people too, that, um, sometimes you need to nurture and, and keep a project very uh, close to your heart and out of the sight of anybody who might scrutinize it or give you feedback prematurely or mm-hmm. any of that stuff or be threatened by it or, you know, whatever. You just don't need that that kind of energy coming at you when something is in its infancy.
1: And so um, if this were advice on that, it would also say to, like, show it with a big bang, with, you know, a lot of you know, bells and whistles mm-hmm. and once it's in a ready. surprising way. Yeah. Right. When it's ready
0: an unveiling of sorts. Right. <laughs> I like that. That feels really good. So I think this layout worked okay. and I would do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I would repeat this experiment. <laughs> yeah. But it feels like a reading that you wouldn't do very often. Mm-hmm. You would, right. because, um, You you know, your higher calling in any moment, you know, whatever that is, probably isn't going to change too drastically over the course of time.
1: And I like the geometry of it. I can see Neptune's trident.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, I love it. I love the way it looks and how it reflects Neptune.
1: And I think I liked the positions, having positions Mm -hmm. on there. So that's all that I that was good
0: well it was a pleasure once again and i I think think, um yeah we'll continue the series and uh, next time we'll be on to uranus all right